Welcome to Saltivation. The Saltivation Show is a podcast series featuring the leading voices in salt, where we talk about the issues and strategies to help you make sense of state and local tax. You know, the other thing, Judy, that's important for psilocybin startups and cannabis industry people to, to understand is that, let me say this first, the, the, the psilocybin industry doesn't want to be compared to the marijuana industry. And you could probably understand understand why on that. The, the problem, though, is that the federal government is going to see them the same. Um, and and so the, the the roadmap that we have, the experience that we have is from the cannabis industry, right? Interesting. So okay. In order, to, in order to think about how the laws might apply to the psilocybin industry, there's, you, there's no way getting around the cannabis example. And, and one thing that happened in the cannabis example is that when mar- marijuana was fully legalized for adult use, Taxes came into place as well. Psilocybin, I don't think that's that's really happening yet. But along with the, those new taxes came regular audits. And so I've been saying for a long time, every cannabis company gets audited, period. End of story. Uh, and they get audited by the federal government. And in, in each state, many states have pledged to audit cannabis companies every three years clockwork and and the and the new audit three years later starts with the day after the end of the prior audit and they just happen every three years just like clockwork and and you know i that means that the things that many small businesses get away with (laughs) the the innocent little mistakes and the all of those just little things those are all going to get caught and they're going to add up. Yeah, um, which is funny because you would see that. Like we deal with so many small startup businesses and large startup businesses been around 10 years that are wildly successful, didn't have anything around this and haven't had any punitive ramifications of miscompliance because they just set up a culture of like, you know, high tech is a perfect example of like, we're breaking it, we're disrupting. And then, oh, tax, you know, they don't think about it till they yeah. get caught What's 10 that? years later. Yeah. It's a very interesting world we live in. And yet the culture around cannabis and soon to be psilocybin, I can assume will be more regulatory compliance mindset out of the gate because they have so many things to serve to get their acts together to be in the business. So you kind of go in with the mindset of over paperworking yourself. Very interesting. And, and, you know, Meredith, if I might just say one thing, you know, that, that when the cannabis industry got started, People didn't understand 280E, and they, they, a lot of them. And then when and then when 280E kind of showed up, they sort of said that can't be right. And and here's here's the reality of of 280E in a very very simple little example. Um, 280E applies to deductions, but not cost of goods sold. And so let's put it in the context of psilocybin. If I buy a mushroom to sell, and I pay two dollars for that mushroom. And then I pay my my salesperson a $2 salary and they sell it for $5, right? I just made a dollar. But because of 280E, I am not going to get to be able to deduct the $2 I paid to my salesperson. So I'm going to pay tax on $3. That is going to be my income for tax purposes. And so that creates a number of big problems. Number one if you're an owner in an LLC and you receive a K1, you're get it, you're in a flow through company, 
That's your personal problem. You just got a dollar, but you have taxable income of $3. And it could well be that you didn't even get that dollar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that can be, a, that's a huge burden, right? Um, and those numbers can be much, 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 much bigger. A bunch of the cannabis industry woke up to the reality of 280E because they went through audits. They realized through that audit that they weren't even profitable. Once 280E applied, they weren't making any money. But guess what? They had multi-million dollar personal tax law liabilities all in the same moment. They, that's, their, that's the realization, right? That is not what the psilocybin industry wants to happen to them, right? Um, it is brutal. A lot of those people are still carrying those huge liabilities. The IRS won't forgive them, even though they never, never, never had the money, right? It's, it's horrible. It is, it is a tragedy actually, um, for the industry, right? Right, because it's almost like they're getting taken out when they have a legitimate thing. You know, because of the way our system works, state tax returns start at, you know, line 35 or whatever it is of the federal tax return. 28 or 30. And so so if if you're in a company that's subject to 280E, you're going to pay that tax again at the state level because it takes off from... Your line, federal, whatever your federal yeah, yeah, Jessica yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so ma- many states have decoupled from the federal regime and allowed what, what I call an add back, where you put those disallowed costs back in on your state tax return. But I don't see that happening in the psilocybin industry right now. Um, and if I'm a if I'm an, a person who is involved in that industry and is trying to advocate for for my business, that's a really, really, really important thing to get is that is that uh, add back to, to decouple from the federal 280E penalty. Do so. you think that's why the psilocybin industry doesn't want to be associated with the marijuana or kind of piggyback off of that because they don't want to be roped into 280E? Or do you think, what other reason, you know, because you had said that they kind of want to differentiate themselves, what other reason or why would you? why do you think that's the case? I think it's a number of things. That, 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 I think that's certainly one of them. I think also, you know, the marijuana industry is much more of a party industry kind of platform. You know, I, I don't know. It, it's it's sort of there's medical. maybe more like stereotypes uh, started, or like biases well, sort of associated out, with marijuana. It sort of started out medical, you know, that that kind of medical, <laughs> yeah. and then it, it and then and now we're finding out. I think that it really is. There really are legitimate medical uses and all this kind of stuff, whereas the psilocybin industry is is really starting out medical okay. uh, in a lot of ways, and I think that 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 is significant for the psilocybin industry. And you know, the cannabis industry is on hard times right now, right? Either if you if you look at the ten biggest cannabis companies out there, they're carrying you know, close to a billion dollars in tax debt because of two eighty e. And so, you know, if I'm a psilocybin c- company, I I want to run away from that as far, far fast as That's I can, fair. right? And and try to distinguish myself differently. Um, and many of the state regulators are um, frustrated with the can- with the cannabis industry because the regulations and the industry aren't always on the same page. Right now, Judy, there's this really fun um, thing going on in the state of Colorado that I call the Bud Trim Wars. Uh, it's sort of, it's sort of um, you know, apocalyptic, I hope. Um, and Bud 
is the kind of is the kind of cannabis that you want to buy, flower, bud, whatever that is. And trim is the kind of cannabis that then goes to make oil and edibles and kind all of the that extractive kind of component that you use yeah. to make something else that have, you're not smoking. Yeah. Right. And they have different, they have different tax rates that apply to them. Bud rates higher than the trim rate. But the state thinks that the bud is like in the trim are these two very distinct, totally separate things that, you know, never the two are entwined. And the truth is that's not the case that actually there are leaves that come out of the buds, right? And there are, there is this thing called keef. That's the good stuff that falls on the leaves. And there's just all, it's not as clean as that, but the state wants to say that if you have any bud in your trim at all, it's all bud. There's no and way. So no gonna, way you could separate yeah, that. So now it's like oil and water. Re- it doesn't separate yeah, like recharacterize that. All, all, of your, all of your trim is bud oh. and try to assess that tax. Guess what? That's millions. That's just bad policy. It's brutal. It's brutal. And the industry's like, look, man, this <sighs> is the way everyone's doing it. No one will buy that right there, that trim. No one will pay bud for price for that. We can't sell that as bud. Yeah. Um, and that's the reality that the industry faces and the Department of Revenue isn't just on the same page with that. And you've and, already and, collected and, and the tax. Every- it's done. You've already had that customer buy the good. You can't go back to the past and redo it. Ooh, right. That's brutal. Yeah. That's going to wipe and the industry state out. Has to work through, it is, it's <laughs> one of many things like that, you know, Judy. And every state has to work through those processes and it gets frustrating after oh, a while. Oh, it's ridiculous. Yes. On both sides, right? So back to why the psilocybin industry doesn't want to inherit those problems, right? Okay. It's exciting, though. I think that we're going to make real progress um, for a lot of people that need help. I think it's going to become a main. Both of these are going to become in many, in in, in lots of different ways, mainstream medicine that we'll mm-hmm. see. It's it's really a promising time, I think, for people who don't want to take, you know opioids mm-hmm. and things of that sort and, and want an alternative source uh, of, of comfort for them. Uh, and and we're going to get there, but it's... it's Like, how fast do you think? Are we five, 10 years out? I mean, can this... This could really happen in a day if people really wanted to do it, but it's not happening. Yeah. It just keeps getting... I know it's really complicated stuff to sort through, but in the end, do you want the business to thrive or not? I really struggle with the 280 fundamentally. I just think it's a legitimate legal business. We should just allow it. That should just be a carve out, but whatever that nobody asked me. I, I, I hear you. I hear <laughs> but you. But I just I, don't it's think it's to fair know. to treat a legitimate business. Like it's not a legitimate business. It's kind of what you're saying indirectly by disallowing expenses and otherwise. So, and then regulating and retransferring things that are muddled. That's craziness. Yeah. They're a huge taxpayer in our state, right? Uh, bigger than than a lot of the other big taxpayers. Well, I think car, I think the car industry historically was the most sales tax revenue in the state, and I think construction's up there too. But I think you're right. Marijuana has turned out to be a very good revenue raiser, and you need to rethink this government, right? Um, right. Yeah, and people want it. The voters have spoken. So. And they're good community partners for the most part too. You know, they they come into to uh, you know urban decay neighborhoods, and they they have to spend a bunch of money to update a facility that's falling down, mm-hmm. and uh, and then they have to spend a bunch of money to make sure that that facility looks good mm-hmm. and and is compliant with all secure. the with all the regulations and is secure and everything else. And if we did this right, we would take those drug sales off of the streets and put them into these secure places 
where they could be controlled and tested. Mm -hmm. We, if you buy marijuana in dispensary, you you know you know it's clean. Mm -hmm. If you buy it on the street, you have no idea mm -mm. whether it's clean or not. Right. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of good reasons that why to why to take that day and make this work, Judy. But there's a lot of politics still preventing it from happening. Yeah. Well, and I think there's a lot of stigma associated too, right? Like my my in-laws who my, my father-in-law suffers a lot with like chronic pain and is, you know, just, but the first source is a pill. So you've got Vicodins and Percocets and all of that nonsense in his cabinet. But his, you know, my mother-in-law is still of the impression that, you know, marijuana is a gateway drug to, I don't know, all of a sudden you're going to smoke weed once and what? all of a sudden you're addicted Percocet? to heroin. <laughs> Pretty sure if we're talking th about like, you know, the opioid crisis that exists in Ohio, which kind of right. gets pinpointed a lot, like there's a, I think there's still a lot of like stigma and education that needs to be disassociated from it. And the unfortunate thing is, I think, you know, maybe more of the progressive states, Oregon, Colorado, or on the earlier adopter sides of more natural treatments also kind of stigmatize of like, eh, well, they're just like the stoner hippie states so that like they just want to do it so they can get high legally. And so it's just like there's still that this push-pull, yeah. Which know. is so not true. Lettuce, right? The lettuce. It's lettuce. It's not, it's bad lettuce. Kentucky, I think. Some, I've heard that term from somebody. But, yeah. you know, my dad died of cancer and he suffered greatly for almost a year. And I know he took medical marijuana to ease his stress. I can't even imagine living with a terminal illness and going to sleep at night. It's one thing when you're busy and everyone's telling you how much they love you and we're sad you're, you know, not doing well. It's another thing when you're alone with your own thoughts. I mean, the stress of going through yeah. a very difficult illness. I mean, what a blessing to have something that might help you, you know, have less inflammation. All the things that we're, we're suffering from as a society for a naturally occurring substance that's palliative. I just... Yeah, I think it's really fascinating. And, you know, I have to say, I went to a conference years ago in, in Vegas because I was trying to decide, you know, how many of these cannabis clients do I want to work with? And I was very impressed with the quality of the people there, with the content, with the, the, eth the ethos was just super not pot. You know, it's not stoner. It was very, this is good. It makes me a better person. I want to help other people be better people. I want them to have less anxiety. Just a lot of that. And I really, really thought it was a lot of really good people. And it wasn't the perception that people think of just getting stoned. I don't think that's the case at all. They're very legitimate businesses um, that are, you know, providing meaningful balance to this world. So. They have to be. Yeah. And, you know. And so as, you know, we kind of wrap up. Nick, what are some things that, you know, you're kind of paying attention to and wanting to kind of get out to the public for those kind of companies who want to enter this space or think about what what would you what would be your parting words to them? What would you leave them with? Yeah, I think that it, you know, first off, using good professionals like Judy having real advice is really important. A lot of people got really hurt because that wasn't available in the cannabis space and they really paid the price. Um, so first off, you know, you know, get the right professionals, experienced professionals that have experience in the areas that you're talking about, not just there's a lot of different kinds of psilocybin and I wish I knew all the different strains cause I'd throw one out right now, but you know, 
a, a real tax professional, right? And then, you know, it, it you can't cut corners in this in these industries. You know, you're going to get audited and those corners are going to be seen and you have to you have to pay attention to it. And, you know, you have to spend those dollars. You know, it, professionals are not cheap, but the answer, the, the truth is that if you try to just wing it, you're probably going to fail. Uh, and it's and it's probably going to come back and, and be a, a big personal problem for you, too. And so, um, you know, it takes bravery, but it also takes a little bit of, you know, caution as well. Well, I think that's really, you know, helpful advice, even for any business owner, right? Outside of just, you know, a, a sure. stigmatized industry. So, you know, Nick, we really and appreciate and oh, this. Of course. If the tax man calls you, don't talk to him. (laughs) Don't talk to him. Judy, I don't know how many cases I've taken on where they already talked to the guys. And I'm like, guys, what are you doing? No, you don't say those things. It's not even true. Why would you say that? Don't talk to him. Don't give him a tour. No, no, no. Not not without somebody like being there to make sure the Santa awards are. Yeah, no, because people oversell kind of their concepts. But that isn't really what they're doing sometimes. They don't really have the right right. ear of how to explain. They're more marketing sales driven than they are actually what the government wants to know. Yeah. Here's how it goes. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm represented by Judy, and uh, here's her phone number. Please give her a call. Because if you don't say that, here's the next thing they're going to say. Oh, Mr. Taxpayer, can you tell me where you bank? Why do you think they want to know that? So they can take your money. That's why. That's why. And and it's a lot easier for me to say, gosh, Mr. Tax person, I just don't know where they bank. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. Right. Well, and to sanitize the data, I mean, I, I actually am just in a situation right now where I'm dealing with the city audit. It's been going on since September and they're like at the deadline and I got to twist and a pretzel to file a document, a protest with the city to stop the top clock. Otherwise the, 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 the audit assessment stands. We got no relief, yeah. right? We're just stuck. We got to go to court. It's going to be very expensive. Who knows? So I'm like, why do people do this? Like, you just thought you could do it and then you didn't really know what you're doing and then you thought it would be a better answer and it wasn't. I wish I could do that at the outset though, because a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to spend the money with you. Um, and and you can't show them at the outset the money you're going to save them because you don't have a number. You just know you didn't have the number you should that they might have had. It's hard to prove a negative, if that makes sense. So I'll struggle with that because, I mean, I look at what I'm able to do once I have a number. But if I don't have a number and I begin, I don't always know by the end it's that I saved him anything. I try to say, well, we don't deal with that. So we're good. Right. It's That's a big thing off the re- off the record. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. But, you know, people are stressed. They don't know how to hire the right the right counsel. They don't know you, everybody. So hopefully more people will know you now and know that you're a, re- a resource for them as a legal expert in the, in the field. And that's really important to, like you said, have that expertise out there in the universe. And I, and I, I think I speak for the tax professional community as a whole that, look, if, if you have a problem, we'll talk to you and not charge you and see if we can help you. Yeah. And if we can't help you, we'll let you know. Um, and, and if, if we can, then it's, it's going to be worth it. I think, I think that's the truth of it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And until next time, this is Saltivation. This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not intended, nor should it be relied upon as legal, tax, accounting, or investment advice. You should consult with a competent professional to discuss specifics of your situation and the applicability of the information presented.